Hey, my name is Alex Zulkin, writer of TED and Family Guy, and you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Lucky you. You are now listening to the best show in the universe, The Anthony Rogers Show. You probably wish that this was your show, but it's not. It's The Anthony Rogers Show. Tell all of your friends to listen to this show. This show is possible because of sponsors like Siempre Tequila. Um, it's a good sipping tequila, good mixing for margaritas. Um, link in the description, buy some right now. Ola is a leading CBD brand within the health and lifestyle market. They focus their research on developing premium products for smart and demanding customers who seek to reshape their lives in a happy, healthy, and natural way. They offer a natural and effective aid for everyday life through selection of CBD products, CBD gummies, CBD tinctures, CBD soft gels, CBD warming salve. Welcome back to the greatest show in the entire universe. Uh, today we have a huge guest. Um, I say pop culture icon, writer, producer. Uh, some of his famous stuff has been like uh, Ted, uh, Family Guy, uh, a bunch of shit you've heard of. Google him. Uh, Alex Sulkin, how are you doing, man? I'm great. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Dude, no problem. Thanks for uh, going backwards and doing this show. I think, I think this is beneath you probably. Like, no. no if, if you knew me personally, you'd know nothing is beneath me. And uh, I, will, I will come where I'm asked. That's how, that's, how, that's how I am. I think that's how you get successful, honestly, is like just being able to be open to like all ideas, you know? Sure. Yeah. No. And, and also, man, I mean, I just, just checking out your profile, I was so intrigued. Like you just, you, you have a very cool look. And I was like, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere, brother. It'll get you everywhere. <laughs> so you've done some like crazy things. Like, uh, I mean, I'd say like, uh, like family guys, probably the one that stuck out the most to me, but that's not, I mean, it depends on how you perceive the world and how, what, what people like as entertainment, I guess. But, but that's like an amazing accomplishment. You were a producer and writer for that show. That's right. And, and when people say producer and writer, I mean, that basically just means writer. Um, produ- producers just a tag that they put on you if you've been somewhere long enough. And so then they say this year you're a consulting producer or you're an executive producer, but it's all just different terms for, for being a writer. Um, so as far as producing, we have a great production team that handles all the animation sound, all that shit. And we just look at the jokes. Yeah. Producer means friend with, or with the, uh, the owner or director, right? Like that's what pr- <laughs> Yeah, always, <laughs> always. But, but Ryder, I mean, that's that's still impressive. That was that was. A, I mean, that show's hilarious, man. Like that's a that's a really funny show, and it's really big, you know. And um, I, I congrats on the success of that, dude. That's like crazy. Yeah, you know, it's thank you. Um, it's a great place to work. I feel incredibly lucky to have been there because if you know, you know, Hollywood writers or TV writers, movie writers, it's so rare. Uh, that you can get a, a a job where you can be in one place for 17 years, which is basically what wow. it's been now. Because most shows just come and go, and if if you're if you have a show that's on the air for five years, that's like a huge success. So I think the fact that it's animation and you know, so the cast doesn't necessarily grow old. Um, it's it's just been a great spot and i'm thankful to you know to seth mcfarland for hiring me and and i, I just love being there 
that's awesome. It's a very humble way to look at it, man. And yeah, I think cartoons, if they if they have the way if they can hit, I mean, they have the way of saying timeless because nothing ages or anything like that. So I mean, so I mean, that's that's the move. I think if you can get it, I mean, it's hard to get a successful show at all. Like you said, some people celebrate pilots. I mean, like, like yeah, you know, like, it just depends on like the scenario and the and, uh, the situation. It's a tough industry to get into, but I mean, you just throw enough stuff at the wall, you find. I mean, you find out what sticks, I guess, or whatever. Shitty totally. Metaphor. And that's that. You're 100 percent right. Like to get a show to get a pilot made of a show, you've already had to clear so many hurdles <laughs> and like that is a large accomplishment. So just the, the, the almost 20 years on, on air is, is insane. No, it is. That's a, that's, that's a long time, man. Yeah. And like, it's cool too. Cause you almost became like, a, I'd say with Twitter, you almost became like a pop culture icon outside of, uh, outside of writing for entertainment or something like that. You almost became like a, I mean, you did become a personality off of Twitter that a lot of people may not have even known where you came from before that almost, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I, boy, I loved, um, like many people, Twitter at the beginning was so fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it's turned into something that's kind of a hellscape now, but uh, you know, it would, in the beginning, it was just really fun because there were, you know, fewer people on there. Everybody kind of wanted to have fun and, uh, it, it, it was great. It was, it was very well suited to my comedic style, which is lazy. Like, I don't like to write a lot. So Twitter doesn't let you write a lot. And I'm like, I'm here for this. That's hilarious. That's a <laughs> I think most entertainment people are like that. It's like the easiest way to get money. And like, um, I don't know. I, I feel like if, if something else paid better, we'd probably be in some other field, you know, not, not that I'm comparing family guy to this podcast, but it was loosely veiled under entertainment. Oh, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> <please. laughs> we'd be at the same picnic. That's, yeah. It's just like the, we, we find like the, the smart people will find the laziest way to monetize. Like, like no matter what. Whole, totally. Totally. <laughs> podcast is a great example. Like you get, oh, to, yeah. <laughs> you can sit at home and say, let's do it at this time. You know? No, yeah, it's a perfect job for me. I could do any, I could talk to people like that shouldn't even be talking to me, you know, all the time. No, so, you, you got a you got a great style. I can I already can tell you you have an instant analytical style. Have you noticed this? I'm sure you have about yourself. Like you, I've already noticed in like the first few questions when I tell you something, you instantly process that and have a very genuine reaction to it, and then move on to the next thing, which I think is a very cool style. Because oh, oftentimes when guests are answering, I've noticed this being a guest on a podcast like you can already see that the other person is just kind of thinking of the next question well so, you make a lot of people nervous in your interviews i've noticed i was watching your interviews and like you'll be just like talking like a normal person and they're like oh yeah so like what's it like to do stuff i, I you, you intimidate people with your success i think and, that, and that's what i've seen in a lot of your podcasts like i was oh watching God. that's ridiculous again if you knew me personally that's insane <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i can't tell tell me the secret of intimidating my wife i can't seem to do it she rolls over me <laughs> i can't think of a smart enough a ass answer for that i don't know <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no <it's, laughs> that's crazy that's crazy though man that um like you've done a lot of cool stuff i think a lot of like uh your sense of humor really works i think with people like really well i think was that like a thing you, like you developed or was it kind of natural or like um yeah I, again um the main the main thing you're looking at here is luck and then like a sub subset of lazy <laughs> so it's like, because I've been rewarded for my lazy style, like this whole time, somehow through some miracle, like it's, it's tricked enough people along the way to say like, hey, that's funny. This guy's funny. Uh, so I just keep doing that. Like I'm, you're not, I wouldn't look for any like 700 page tome from me about my time in Hollywood. You're just going to get 
tweets until you get a gravestone. It's probably your authenticity then, man. Like, I think, like, if, uh, people can connect to real people faster. And I think uh, a lot of people in, like, entertainment or in most industries just play pretend and stuff. Like, you, like they'll, they'll have some, like, deep fake answer using big words they think only smart people use and stuff. And, right. and like, and you, and you seem like you're just to the point. You're like, no, I mean, I mean, you probably work your ass off. But, I mean, there's a lot of luck that comes with working your ass off, though, too. I can see that, you know? Yeah, there, there's always luck along the way. But, you know, for so many people like Seth had to, to have a stro- luck to get family guy on the air and he had to have even more luck to have it come back that was on crazy, the air yeah. after being canceled. And I was lucky to have met him on a different job. Lucky that he was again, charmed by my little dances and puns, you know, like my <laughs> little, my little dance monkey writer stuff somehow worked on him. And uh, now he's uh, you know, he's been paying me off ever since. So I'll, now, now it's just keep your head down until you hit that retirement number, and then I can uh, nap and watch the Love Boat all day. <laughs> that's hilarious, man. So did you uh, did you meet him by auditioning, or was this a friend prior, or like what? Uh... No, actually, I was uh, again a, a stroke of luck. I was working on my first ever uh, sitcom, so I started on on the Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn. That's right. I read that. Okay. Yeah. Right. So. I was there for three years, decided I kind of want to go into sitcoms because honestly, you can just make more money in sitcoms than you can in late night. And uh, the first show I ever got on was this show called The Pits, which was briefly on Fox, less than a season. Um, So people didn't love the show, but the writer's room on that show was fantastic. Just all wow. these people who had worked on The Simpsons wow. and, and Seinfeld, like just, it was, it was mind blowing to me. So um, one of the people in the room was Seth MacFarlane because it was at a period when Family Guy had been can't, pulled off the air by Fox, but Fox still had him under contract. So they said, well, you know, you're not doing your show, but we still want you to work for money. Um, so here, go on this show. And the show again was the pits and Seth and I are roughly the same age. We're like within a year of each other. And so we just bonded in that room. Um, just had a lot of laughs in that room and it carried over to like, we would go out to, and like do karaoke together, like get hammered all over LA. And, uh, one night he just said, you know, they're talking about bringing family guy back. And if they do, I'd like you to come work there. And I was thinking, well, sure, but there's no way they're going to do that. Um, but then, of course, they did. And, and I was there. So and have been there since. Yeah, I think that almost added to the buildup is when I went away and came back. I think it like added uh, to, to the marketing and like, uh, like uh, folklore, I guess, of the, song, of the show, you know? Absolutely. It's like getting thrown out of a Roman city and then coming back as like a conqueror, you know, two years <laughs> later with the, you know, sort of all these heads on spikes, you know, it, it was great. It felt like when they brought it back, you just kind of felt like, okay, they've admitted weirdly that they were wrong to pull it off. So now they're not going to say they're wrong again and cancel it. it. It was a great feeling. For sure. I, I say it's almost like radio DJs made, made their career like in the 80s and 90s was just getting fired. It was like the best promotion ever, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. I guess it really worked for Stern, huh? Yeah, yeah, Stern, and then there's a bunch of like other ones that kind of have that same format. He's the most successful for sure. Right. But um, that's that's weird. So do you, um, I, I I wonder if this happens. Do you do you run into people that haven't heard of Family Guy or like the things you've worked on? Yeah, all the time. I had a all feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's it's as I mean, especially like now. I've been living in on Cape Cod in Massachusetts for uh, the last year, 
And I grew up around Boston. So, but people here don't know any of that shit. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> some of the younger kids do, but I'm walking around at like, you know, restaurants on the water with waspy people and pink pants and stuff and being introduced to people. And they're like, what do you do? Writer for what? Uh, it's a show called Family Guy. Oh, no, I don't, you know, they don't know. So, yeah. yeah I, I always say it's funny when people don't know like huge shows. Like, yeah, like I, I had a guy from Impractical, uh, producer from Impractical Jokers, and he told me he lived in New York and no one heard of his show. Like, yeah. I, guess it's, I guess it's only popular in the Midwest or something. And I was just wondering how that, if that, it was like Family Guy's a way bigger show probably than most shows. That's like crazy that people wouldn't hear of it to me, but I had a feeling it happened. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, it does all the time. And, and uh, I, it seems totally legit. Like, I don't think anybody is pretending not to know Family Yeah, I think it's not a very Cape Cod thing. It's an LA thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think they just, they just, right, to pretend to not know something is very LA. But I think the people here, they just live in a different kind of world, you know, like some of them, they just miss all that shit. They're like, I'm not going to watch a fucking cartoon. Like, I'm not watching anything. Like, I'm an adult. I, you know, I don't, I don't do that. Yeah, and there's so many people that, like, uh, that, that pose as being entertainers that, like, uh, like, like, I have the same problem when I, when I tell people I do a comedy song. They're like, oh, really? Like, they think I'm, like, just in my garage getting drunk playing guitar, pretending I'm Kurt Cobain or something. Like, the, the same way, I imagine when you say you're a writer, as most people have heard, like, all their, like, loser friends pretend to be writers. And, like, they're, oh, yeah, you, like, live at home. That's cool, you know? Like, <laughs> Because <laughs> there's not that many successful examples of entertainers that people meet in daily life. So, so the most examples they get are, like, the people that pretend to be. They fake it till you make it, people, kind of, you know? Totally, totally. And there, and there's definitely like, there, I think it's almost proven over time that fake it till you make it is kind of a good way to, it's, it, it's a way to go, you know, like, if you are committed to being a writer or an entertainer of some kind, and even if nobody's heard of you, if you kind of like project that image, maybe you'll get there. Maybe it gives you a 10% better chance of getting there. I don't know. Yeah, I, I could never, I could never do that. I would be mortified. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think I think it limits growth. It makes you think you're already there a lot of times too. And like, like, uh, like you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm this, but like, no, you should be like, I'm like trying to be that. You know, I don't know how to describe yeah. it. I can see it going both ways, man. A lot of people get caught in their delusion is the only problem I see. Totally, totally right. Yeah, I can, I can see both sides. Like, I, I just say that as a person who, in general, has lacked that sort of easy <laughs> confidence about yeah. myself. So I, whenever I hear of people being that way, I'm sort of like, I would never do that, but I kind of am jealous of someone who can do that. Yeah. yeah. I, f I feel like it's like a 19 year old's game or something, you know, just like, you're like, I'm fucking awesome. Did you know that? Do you yeah. know how fucking awesome I am? You know, it's like, but then like, yeah, like you have to put in the 10 years work or however long like, you put yeah. in, I'm, like you got to put in a lot of work to get where you're going, you know, like, did you write on, were you like always like, I'm going to be a writer or like, was this like a thing that just kind of came naturally or? Yeah. I think like a lot of writers, I'm kind of a frustrated performer. Um, I definitely in high school, you know, I was big into being in like high school musicals and plays. Like I really enjoyed that. And I think that I thought that I would do something like that. Like, I don't know exactly. I can't say like acting in a movie, but more like, uh, you know, being like a daily show correspondent or something like so you'd be that, a lot better that, than Trevor Noah, probably just that, that kind of route, um, which is, I think directly responsible for me, like not enjoying John Stewart, because I think I'm so jealous every time I see him, I'm like, this guy is better than me at everything I ever wanted to do. So like whenever <laughs> I watch him, I'm like, I'm, I'm like Salieri watching Mozart and all the papers are falling everywhere. Um, you guys are like the same guy. Like when you said Daily Show, I almost linked that in my head. That's probably because I don't like a lot of people like myself either. I get competitive with them. And that's probably what you do. You're like, you guys are very similar, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think you do that. There's a uh, somebody wrote a book, and I I always think of it, and I can never remember who it was or whatever. But this guy wrote a whole book because he grew up at the same time as that football old football legend Frank Gifford. Okay, so Frank Gifford was a huge football star in like the '50s, '60s, and then he became a successful announcer at Monday Night Football. And this guy was like a classmate of his early on, and so this guy who's writing the book for every little accomplishment in his life, Frank Gifford would like win the Super Bowl, you know, like become an all-star. Like, it, so he just compared his life to Frank Gifford, like that's all the way so through. Funny. And so I think that's kind of what people like us do. You're always looking at somebody who's like doing better than you are. And you're just like, why does that guy have that stuff? Yeah. I heard about like one of the sound park creators, the guy, the guy at the fro, he, he would be like, um, like when he first moved to LA, he'd be like in a shitty car in the passenger seat, uh, making fun of all the people on their cell phones and BMWs. And then like, I heard he became that guy later. <laughs> like, sure. I'm sure it's, it's hard not to. Um, I definitely, you know, you, you see that a lot where just suddenly, uh, you know, you're working for someone or with someone who's like got a massage appointment or having his hair dyed or, you know, going to a tanning salon, you know, it just all becomes very weird in LA. No, I, yeah. LA is a weird thing. Yeah. For sure. It's got its, it's got its ups, I guess. But uh, so have you ever tried stand-up comedy? Yes. You'd so kill at that, that, I feel like. Well, no. Cause again, remember the, remember the byline of my newspaper, which is lazy. So <laughs> it is a I, lot did, of work. I did stand up um in the in the late 90s from like 90 mid 90s 96 to like 99 2000 that makes um, a lot of sense actually yeah and i enjoyed it and i have so many like hilarious memories from it but it was all like i was in some kind of like spinal tap you know documentary about stand up comedy it was like i was on the lowest rung a friend a good friend of mine says the day, because we started around the same time in 96, and he was like, the day we started comedy was the day after the comedy boom ended. Like, we, <laughs> we got into it at this time when suddenly the market was oversaturated. You know, it was really hard to get stand-up. I did it in New York. Um, but, I, you know, I had a great time. But I never had the energy or enthusiasm to commit to writing all day, to commit to having an energy on stage or like a character. And I'm not talking about like Jeff Foxworthy kind of character, <laughs> like just a stage persona, just any kind of charisma on stage. Like I always tried to undersell it, you know, and I'm, I'm not Stephen Wright. Like he can do that. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. To me, great. it just comes up, you know, to anyone else, it just comes off as like, here's another white Jewish guy reading jokes from his notebook. <laughs> I would say, I would say, don't build a persona and just like um, ad lib. Like you seem like a dude who could just bullshit anybody, like uh, like type thing. You know, like uh, I like, I think that's the key, really. Because like, right, oh, I watch all these people write jokes and like um, and like they don't know who the fuck they're gonna talk to that night. You know, it's, it's yeah. like you have the best joke in the world to like this audience, but like this audience doesn't give a fuck, and you prepared for the wrong thing. Like you know, exactly. I see exactly. a lot of that. It's like Mike Tyson. You know, said everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Well, and yeah, it's, exactly. It's just like when you get up there doing stand-up and the first thing goes wrong, that's when you instantly have to like, am I going to recover <laughs> or am I just going to plow through like as a beaten man? I think a lot of the recoveries are the best parts of jokes too. Like, like if I'll tell a joke and it bombs, like I, it's more fun coming up with the recovery. Like yeah. almost like I feel like, uh, I don't know, stand-up's a fun thing. I, I can see you killing it that, but like, but yeah, no, I can see like how like you wouldn't want to do it. Like touring seems awful at this point in life. 
It just seems like I'm, I'm, I'm like 30 something and like in my 20 something. That was like the dream. Like 24, I'd be yeah. like, Oh wow. I could just travel and like fucking live in hotels. And now, now I'm like, I'm like, I'm about as almost as lazy as you are now these days. I just don't want to leave my house even really. I not, has nothing to do with the pandemic. I just don't want to, you know, it's like, right. Right. Yeah. My wife tells me that the pandemic altered my life. <laughs> not at all. Like I just now it's just now we don't have to get into an argument about going out to dinner or not. It's like, we can't. Sorry. Guess we're yeah, staying get, home again. It gave you an excuse without having kids. You know, all, all my friends are like, Oh, I have kids. I can't do that. And I don't have an excuse. And I'm like, Oh no, the world's ending. I can't fucking yeah. eat ravioli right now. <laughs> well, I, I do have one kid. So we oh, still you have that. You have double excuse now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, yeah. So the world is burning. That's fun, right? Like, <laughs> I thought Terrible. it would suck more. I thought it would suck more, you know, the, the end of the world. I thought it would be more terrifying. No, it, it, it happens like in dribs and drabs, right? So <laughs> it just feels like it's happening now. Muscles are cooking on the beach in, in Canada. I'm sure you saw that. Highest, yeah. highest temperature ever recorded in Death Valley the other day. It's crazy. I think we're going into the sun. I think the Earth's uh, mass uh, is lower than the sun. I think we're just going into the sun, honestly. Awesome. I love hearing new terrifying theories. <laughs> they, look, they would look at planets like, uh, like they thought we were the only like, um, like universe, like galaxy thing out there. And then they found out like, um, planets were like, they call them exoplanets are basically up against the sun or ball of gas that they're the star, I guess, uh, up against it. So there's like a bunch of planets up against stars already, or what we would call planets. Like, right. And, and I feel like that's the, I mean, it makes sense. Like, I mean, that's a ball of gas. So like ultimately all the planets in our solar system will kind of be tightly around the sun and then it will kind of, explode i don't know i'm not sure about the explosion yet it might though i don't know but i, I definitely think that we're going getting sucked into just how mass works you know we're like we're, oh yeah if we if we move you know 50 yards closer to the sun i think doesn't that like end all life on earth yeah like, yeah it's a very precise thing yeah and we, we're almost between the ice age and burning up it seems like <laughs> god from my perspective i don't know but i mean I, I don't know there's enough other terrifying things in the world to focus on i guess but I, I, <laughs> so many yeah <laughs> so many, <laughs> so many. Yeah, no, it's it's funny seeing like um, I don't know. There's a lot of silver lining in the pandemic to me personally because like uh, it's funny just seeing how fucking stupid people are <laughs> like oh. on, on like every side of an argument. And I'm like, I don't even have a side. I feel like, but but it's just like uh, like I I remember just like going to the like uh, just some store and everybody's just dressed in, like the, I'm like in St. Louis City. People were wearing like trash bag hazmat suits and shit. Like 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 their skin not breathing is gonna save them. Like it's right. just so it's just so fucking weird. Like I I don't know, man. Like I feel yeah. like. It was a, it was a, what a crazy beginning. I remember, and we, we were in that stage, you know, because I felt like nobody knew what was going on, and I wouldn't wear garbage bags to the to the to the grocery store. You'd go through and you'd get out of there kind of faster. I would say that that would be my, <laughs> that's my, true. I was kind of just moving a through the aisles faster, and um, but I remember getting home and we were like Cloroxing off the the groceries, you know, you take the groceries out and you'd be like, better wipe all this bag of rice down, you know, and we just didn't know, you know, the first few weeks you're like, you don't want to give your kid some disease you don't know about, but there, there's like a, there's a middle ground where when you start putting trash bags on you, that's when my mind makes a decision. Like I'd rather just die from something than have to do that. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt, and I didn't even really try, and I'm still alive. I could, I got, I, I got, I, I, I feel like everyone else tried a lot harder than I did to, yeah. to be, be alive here still. And it was just, it was a weird thing. And yeah, you're right. You didn't know at the beginning, and like fear does shrink like logic, I guess. To where like, to where, yeah, people, my friends were like just putting stuff on their hands every five minutes. Their hands were swelling, and, I, and I'm just like, I'm like the things you're doing to save yourself are affecting you more than the virus. Right, right. <laughs> it's Your so fucking. It's gonna be like tissue paper after all this with the hand sanitizers and softeners and. 
Uh, where, where, so did you grow up in St. Louis? If you don't I'm, mind me asking you a question. No, you're good. <laughs> no, yeah. you're good. It's, it's uh, your interview now. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just fucking around. No, I, I grew up in the suburbs of St. Louis, like O'Fallon, Missouri, technically. Okay. Because you, uh, I, just listening to you, you have like, there's this incredible through line of intelligence, the way you talk. So I'm, I'm just curious about, were you uh, like a, a student in public school who just excelled or someone who didn't excel because you were like, fuck these people? Or did you go to a private school and you were like academic minded? What, what, what is your background? Uh, my, pa- my parents were smart and like, um, and I was like, I, I relate a lot to your lazy comment to where, yeah, no school, I didn't do too well at all. I barely, I mean, I kind of just was really into smoking weed and like blonde girls. And like, sure. uh, like it, more so than like memorizing 1980s, like fucking school in 2000s, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the That's internet, I probably, the internet, I'd probably be a dumbass factory worker. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying all factories are dumb, but I'd be, I'd be a dumbass factory worker voting for the right. internet probably. That's so interesting. And by the way, you and I have to uh, agree to disagree because I was always brunettes, but I appreciate blondes, <laughs> uh, but brunettes were my jam. I didn't so. mean to offend you. I didn't mean no, to. No, uh... no offense taken. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't joke. I'll just fuck her out of it. But uh, that's, yeah, no, it's, um, I don't know how to, I think the internet made us all intelligent, really, because like uh, the, the, we just wouldn't have had that much access to information without the internet, probably. I think it's being yeah. limited now. Like, well, you yeah, I think you seem like you're probably better at procuring the right information than a lot of people, because you just have a, again, there's like a, a spine of intelligence going through the way you communicate, which is so slightly unusual because you have this long beard and these glasses and you... <laughs> You talk a little faster, I would say, than most people, but it's got an absolute spine of truth to it, which I rarely hear. So I appreciate that. You're like, is this what authenticity is like, other than the, other than your appearance? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. No, uh, I appreciate that. No, I do talk fast, and it's funny because only smart people can even really understand what I'm saying. Because like a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot of slow people are just like what? Like they'll say you talk fast, and that they don't have anything else to say other than you talk fast. So right. I can tell they didn't really hear anything. Yeah, they didn't hear. Well, <laughs> yeah, I hear it. That's what. Yeah, no, I can I can tell people's processing. Yeah, and like uh, no, it's uh, I don't know. I think like I said, I think it's the internet that made uh, enough people smart to where like I mean, you I guess you had your choice. And then you brought up a good point about Twitter, man. Because Twitter used to be really fun, and like, um, I'm not even allowed to use Twitter now. Like, I tried to they, they they suspended my verified account, and then I I I tried to make another one, and they're like, no, you can't. Basically, I guess they have my device or I, I or something. I don't know. Wow. So just, and were they getting weird complaints about you, or was it just yeah, like? Yeah. I was just I was just running my mouth for fun, and they, they just get pissed off. It was yeah. not, nothing too crazy, but I was I was I was just calling people with fucking names. And I thought it was funny. Yeah. Yeah, that could be funny. It used to be funny. Can't really do that anymore. This episode is sponsored by Dr. Hemp. Go to drhempsupplies.com and get some palm pre-rolls. This is CBD and CBG. You have uh, mint flavors, banana flavors, berry flavors, watermelon, pine. Just try them all. Go to drhempsupply.com. Use promo code BESTSHOW. This episode is brought to you by Cream City Vapes. Go to creamcityvapes.com, a link in the description. Uh, get butane and torches, carb caps and pearls, dab dumpster, dab tools, mood mats, temp readers. Free shipping over $50, and they plant one tree per product sold. Well, yeah, you have to apologize for being funny now. Like, if you tell right. a really, really, really good joke, you have to apologize afterwards, or it's not a joke anymore. I know it's crazy. And so you're doing stand up now or, have you, or lately these past, have, did you do it or are you still continue to do it? 
I haven't done it in a second. Um, um, I'm not sure if this is the pandemic or just me when not to do podcasts are easier, you know? <laughs> totally. I agree. The minute but I could, the minute I could turn my back on stand up, I did instantly. It was like once I got a job as a writer, I was like, never again stand up, but good luck to you. Keep going. I love the fear aspect of it because I'd be like, I get nervous every time still. And I, and I love that aspect of it. Like the challenge of like um of like, I don't know, more or less like conquering a crowd because you don't know if these people want to fucking hear. You don't know anything about them. And like, uh, I like the concept of like that, you know? Yeah. No, I know. Well, I mean, God, when I used to do it in New York, I did it at a, all the time on the weekends at this place right off of Times Square. And it was just a, an absolute shithole. Like it was in the <laughs> back of a terrible restaurant. So you had to like go through this weird obstacle course even to find the comedy thing. And it would inevitably be, you know, 10 to 12 uh, tourists from either out of town or out of country who we had handed flyers to in Times Square over the previous three hours. And they come into this, these poor people come into this terrible place <laughs> with either people like me just starting who were nobodies or the strange like half dead locals that were, you know, still going there year after year after year. Um, and it, it was terrifying. And you know, like you said, you never knew what you were going to get when you stepped on stage. You didn't know, like, are these, is this table of six making a lot of noise? Are they from Germany? Are they from Houston, Texas? Are they, you know, cause they're not from New York. Like what, so what am I going to be telling jokes about tonight? Yeah. What's relative to your audience. If you don't know where they're from or anything about them, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I just said in front of a bunch of French people one time, like, uh, like, like actually from france like speaking french and like uh and like in bolinas california i think that was the weirdest fucking set i've ever done i think one of them at least like this 1800s like tavern called like smiley saloon or, or some shit like that yeah and like, uh, and like this beautiful town but like nobody fucking spoke english other than the bartender i felt like and like uh, I, that's the that's hard mode because i'm a fucking idiot i don't know any other language <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it almost like like what do you do turn into a fucking mime you know it's like you're that's about the only way you can get get, get them i guess i don't know slapstick know. comedy maybe it's funny. I I, uh, I used to actually have a, a joke in my standup about that, about French, where I said, you know, I took uh, seven years of French in high school and college. And that means uh, when I hear two people speaking a foreign language on the subway, I can tell you whether or not it's French. <laughs> that's, that's all I got out of the whole thing. Like I, I could barely say hello. Yeah, there's no, I mean, English is the money language. There's no real uh, inspiration for me to learn another language. I mean, I, it, I mean, I don't have to like learn anything. I don't have to do anything to survive really. It's like a water faucet, you know, like some pretty dumb. I mean, <laughs> I would be smarter in like the 1800s if I had to speak other languages maybe or something. You know? Right. There's no like, I mean, survival is really easy right now. I know, especially with the Google Translate too. Oh yeah. You talk to anybody online and make them think you know things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, um, what are you working on uh, currently? Like, well, I'm still on Family Guy, and uh, I um, have been working on a, uh, another uh, movie with Seth. We're actually doing a reboot of uh, Naked Gun. What so, the fuck? Yeah. That's not kill. So, well, we hope so. I mean, it's, uh, it's taking a while to get the goddamn script written, but again, very lazy. And uh, it, it, it could be awesome. It's going to be starring Liam Neeson so as, for, as the Frank Drebin role, which is pretty exciting. Is Liam Neeson um, still alive? Uh, I hope so. What the fuck? No, you're, thinking of, you're thinking of Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen, yeah, you're right. Liam Nielsen's the, the action guy or whatever? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. It's funny that they're both LN and their names are very similar and they may end up playing that same role, but, um, that is yeah, so been working on that. I'm actually uh, doing a podcast with a buddy of mine. It hasn't it hasn't launched yet, but we've we've recorded like eight of them. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, as you know, how fun they can be and how easy it is to be kind of sitting at home. <laughs> don't tell um, them the secret that it's easy, but, but yeah. <laughs> don't tell them the secret. But no, so back to Naked. Sorry to interrupt, but back to Naked Gun. That that could pop off a lot. That could be huge. Honestly, that's interesting. Well, yeah, I mean. Listen, we hope we want the worst thing. The worst version of it is like it's a pale uh, imitation of the originals. Like you don't because those movies are so beloved by comedy people, especially. Um, So you don't want to fuck it up. And I think that's why it's been taking us a while to write the script, because we just want it to be hilarious all the way through. And you can't really settle for anything else when you're when you're going at the one of the giants like naked gun so we you know we're, we're trying to get it right and I'm, I'm sure we will and i hope it does well but who knows what a movie release will even be at that point you know will it will it be this sort of strange you know sent to 45 theaters and premiering on hbo max like who knows yeah we're in the wild west again for film yeah it's weird. I mean, it's a good time. He's like, oh, half of them are going down as being pedophile. So there's less competition right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't have to blow Harvey Weinstein to get a job anymore, apparently. So, uh, like, you could, you could do it for fun still, but you don't, you don't have to do it to get, to get hired. Correct. Which is good, right? Yeah, they, they changed the rules. <laughs> they changed the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. No, I mean, you definitely have to reinvent uh, entertainment over and over again. I think, I mean, por- porn's a great example of how, like, because I was free completely forever with porn. I mean, it still is to a degree, but you're seeing, like, OnlyFans start to monetize it. And, like, uh, and porn kind of always leads the way of monetizing entertainment almost. Like, I feel like it led the way of the internet with credit card payments, and um, it kind of leads the way. And then, like, I think, like, music, it, music, you have people going platinum. In 2016, you have people going platinum again. I'm like, what? That didn't happen for 20 years. And then, like, and now with film, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. They're all going to, like, HBO Max and other things. Like, HBO truly is the home box office now. It's, like, it's fucking, it's a weird time. And I think, like, you're in a weird in-between spot where, I mean, you probably are, if you're on a big TV show, you probably don't have to worry about budget. But I feel like there's going to be a lot more money in entertainment soon, especially in film and stuff. That's what it seems like. Wow. I, I, and I, I trust you, like, because everything you just said was correct. And I never thought about that HBO thing. They are really the home box office now. Yeah, that was their aspirations. You know? I, just, I just wish they hadn't fucking shoved that Wonder Woman 84 turd down our throats at the beginning of this pandemic. I was very disappointed. Bro, I haven't been able to watch a comic book movie in 20 years, man. Like, that shit is so watered down. It is so bad to me, to me personally. It's yeah, like, well, what, what kind of do, so were you into like Spawn and Blade and that kind of stuff or what? what I mean, that's your, just still cool, but I just feel like, like and I don't even hate comic movies. I just feel like it's overdone and played out. It's like right. it's like the same thing. Like the news just plays a school shooting every day. Every 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 movie's a Marvel movie, and I'm just like, can I have something fucking new, original, or maybe I I, I don't know. Let's just yeah, like same shit over uh, and over again. Over. That's interesting. Again, this is this is our blondes brunettes of entertainment because I when I saw Infinity War in the theater, it was like one of the five greatest theater going experiences i've ever had well, that's why they make them i mean people fucking yeah. buy them i mean you know yeah. like otherwise they wouldn't be doing it if you didn't make money totally. so, I mean, people yeah. relate to what you're saying i i'm just saying my personal experience is like i just i, I don't know I, I don't even hate comic books i say that every movie is a comic book movie right and okay. so did you feel that way about like dark knight or did you like did you think that was okay 
I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really want, I watched a little bit of it and just left kind of, it was just kind of a, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't my, I don't know. I try really, really hard because I'm a big right. fan of movies, but like, it's like uh, in the late sixties, whenever they kept making like Westerns over and over again, that's yeah. kind of what I feel like right now. It's just like, like it's like, I'm sure some of it's good, but there's 90% of it's such garbage. It, it makes me hard, hard to enjoy a film like Dark Knight or even, even if like a, a movie, I haven't even seen Infinity Wars because of like all the other shit that's in the way. You know what I mean? I feel right. like, so I may be missing the good films or something because of the oversaturation yeah. of the market. No, I think you just, you missed like a few awesome moments in the midst of like, you know, 20 movies that could have been like three. Yeah. There's um, so a bunch but, of business plans versus movies, you know, they're like yeah, they're all business yeah. plans. What do you what do you think of a a movie like uh, uh, Interstellar? Did you enjoy that? Loved it. Loved that movie. Yeah, that was a great of, movie. That's one of my favorites. No, it's a client. Well, then I should have told you I didn't like it just to mess with you. But <laughs> <laughs> if, you had, if you had known, then you could have done that. Yeah, hindsight. But no, yeah, I mean, there's still some great stuff happening. I mean, I, I like to, I mean, and plus we're in a generation where like the first like 15 minutes aren't captivating. We have like 4,000 other movies that are disposable. So it's like, I, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been like that in the nineties. I like remember just putting it like as a kid, I just put in a VHS and I maybe had five more at the time, you know, or my parents had more, but I'm just saying like, I maybe had like five fucking movies to choose from, you know? Totally. Yeah, I remember going to college with just like four or five VHS tapes. Like, one, you know, a couple of them had like four episodes of The Simpsons on them. And I was just <laughs> like, let's go. That's crazy that you, you were into The Simpsons too. Like, I feel like Family Guy is like the, the next generation's like kind of thing. Like, like I mean, it's like, like, like a version of The Simpsons, I think, you know? Yeah, of course. Uh, absolutely it is. You know, I mean, <clears throat> Family Guy wouldn't be what it is without the Simpsons, which is, I mean, the, the original Simpsons was such a revelation when it came on. It was like, I'm sure to watch them now, they would seem pretty slow paced and, and kind of tame. But at the time it was like, it had all the right people up in arms, you know, the parent teacher council and some, you know, Christian administration saying, we got to cancel the Simpsons and get it off. Then what are we watching? But now you look at it, it's like, it's just great old classic television. It's crazy. Well, yeah, that's probably about closer to how people are like, um, like how like, um, I love Lucy was in the fifties, like a representation of the time kind of, it's, it's like, um, you have, and I, and I don't know if like, um, I don't know if the hot girl and like fat oaf kind of idiot guy is like, is like a represent is a, is a mirror of society or, or like it's, or people are mimicking it because it's been on television. Like, I don't know which way it went. Like, I, like, to be I think honest. it's the chicken and the egg. I think it started the, the way you said, like as a mirror of society, like an aspirational uh, kind of thing for white men of course you know like this is what this is what the dream is and you can be Jackie Gleason and here's your attractive wife and uh, then it just happened over and over again because like you say other tv shows said well that worked let's let's yeah. imit let's imitate it let's do that yeah, the fat. Oh, I, also, I think like men don't want people bet, like smarter than them, or like, like they're very. We're, like a lot, a lot of them are very competitive, where they don't want like it's like Ron Jeremy was successful because he was overweight. Like I mean, like in porn, basically. Like, right. but, and I think that says everything about like like we don't, we don't want to see somebody that we think we're not better than as a man almost. That's true. That's like, a good point. That's a good point. And also, I just can't see sadly, and and this will probably happen. I'm sure going forward. But sadly, I could not see that the other way around, where it's like handsome guy and slob woman. You know, it, it would be, <laughs> I, I just don't see, like America is, we are sadly not ready for that, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I, it, either way, it's weird. I feel like it's just like, it's just a weird prototype, I think. I don't know. But it's, yeah. it's, it's entertaining, otherwise it wouldn't work, but it, it's relatable. <laughs> but it's just weird. 
You know, you look like you might be David Harbour under that beard. Are you David Harbour? Who's David Harbour? I need to look that up. On <laughs> okay. David Harbour is that actor from uh, Stranger Things, and uh, he just kind of gets a lot of work these days. Well, and I should say yes, because I need more. I could use, a, I could use the money. <laughs> David Harbour. Okay. No, my girlfriend watches that show. That, that kid's lisp on the fucking, um, that kid's lisp annoys me, so I don't watch that show. I want, I, it's like, I can't, I can't understand. Like, I hate the way he talks. Like, I don't mean in a mean way. I just, like, I don't hate him. I just hate, I just don't want to watch the show. Right. Well, I would say on that, that that's another classic example of like very entertaining fun season one. And then they had no idea like what they were doing. Like they, they probably know they had a hit. They probably didn't know. They're like, oh, shit, we got to try it out. Yeah. They're like, we're filming this kitty show. That's like a sort of spooky thing. It's nobody's going to care. And then it's the biggest show on TV. And they're like, oh, my God, we got to do more. <laughs> what do right. we do? The only way to recover from that is like do some lost shit where it doesn't make sense. That's like yeah. the only that's the only way that everyone just pretend to get it because they don't want to look stupid. I know, I know. I never got into Lost, but the fa passionate fans of Lost always have that exact same story. They're like, it was great, it was terrible, it got great again, and then it was awful. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, and it was always like my pretentious friends that pretended like I just didn't get it. Like, like man, you just don't get how, uh, like, this that's, what, that's how they describe it. I'm like, okay, explain it to me. And yeah, like, yeah, like, well, the hatch and the time. and the, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people were obsessed with that show like that that and seinfeld like i like seinfeld but not as much as everybody else you know like everybody really like loves that show like the most almost yeah i mean i love that i was the perfect age and perfect like that's what i wanted to be as well like i i mean that I, makes a lot of sense you know i wanted to be the, uh, some version of that and i will agree in looking back and this happens with everything. This happened with disco, with anything you can think of that became popular and then way overwrought. Oh, like, yeah. like Seinfeld was great at the beginning when nobody watched it and nobody enjoyed it. And then in the middle, when people started watching, it was also great. So the audience kept building and building. But then by the time they had maximum audience and everybody was going nuts over every episode every week with yada, yada, yada and all that crap, like that's when the show was just not as good. So I feel like it's, as it got bigger, it, it got worse. Whereas uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I love, I feel like has just been straight down the line hilarious for me. Well, it probably never peaked. And like in your example, that makes sense. Like Curb Your Enthusiasm is kind of like, an, it's successful, but it's kind of like an underground show more so where Seinfeld is like super, super mainstream. Yeah, no one will ever watch in as big an audience as, as watch Seinfeld. Like not even, not the Super Bowl now probably gets one quarter what a what a, an average seinfeld got yeah that's weird that's that's a weird thing yeah i don't know how to describe this like i think like um the super bowl like, super bowl and most institutions are like dead right now <laughs> like in america too so it's like a weird example too and like um i know seinfeld did a lot of shit and i respect it and stuff but i just feel like it's like um it's like citizen kane maybe or something it's like like in film school everybody tells you citizen kane's the best movie in the world but i mean it's just fucking outdated you know it's just like one of those things it's like it's like uh, for, i mean if i grew up in its prime I, I could probably relate to one of what you said and the same with like citizen kane i probably could have appreciated it when it came out and be like oh yeah they just like made fun of this like media mogul and this edgy but 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 i just feel like now i'm just like watching i'm like i just don't give a fuck about it man i just don't it's like uh it's so boring and i try to watch it but it's just like not even i mean butterfly effect is a better movie that movie's like okay you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like oh my god we would have such a long argument about this if we were in person but uh, <laughs> I, I, the, I, the butterfly effect i mean come on you, you can't close with that like that the butterfly effect i happen to have seen as well that's ashton kutcher right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 
And it was, I, I see movies like that, like the butterfly effect, like you remember like the lake house with Keanu Reeves? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where there was like a magic mailbox that like went through time. Like I love that kind of shit. So I, I'm all in on the idea, but the idea that the butterfly effect was better than Citizen Kane, you should make that as like a banner headline. <laughs> it would piss off every film nerd in the world. But it's yeah. like, but it's like, like even, even like, and the butterfly effect is like an okay movie, but I feel like it was still like, like, now, if you compare them side to side, I'd rather watch The Butterfly Effect than Citizen Kane. You'd point. rather watch like uh, Source Code with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> like that's your that's more your jam. <laughs> have you seen uh, Permanent Midnight with uh, uh, with uh, Ben Stiller? Yeah, I wondered as a writer, you might have saw. That, that's another example of like one of his lesser known movies, but probably his best movie. I love that. Yeah, I love that. You're totally right. Great, uh, great performance uh, by him. And what a what a very cool movie. Uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, in every other movie, he plays one of two characters. He plays like an awkward nerd, or he plays like the guy who's just like, yeah, God, yeah, you know, just like he has like two characters. And then uh, Permanent Midnight, he actually, I felt like he played the Alf Rider, but really well. Right, right. Yeah, no, interesting. He, he, he's good. That was. <laughs> it's just so funny how like dark that movie was for like just the guy that wrote Alf. You know, what I mean, it's like, <laughs> like he thought it was like William S. Burroughs or some shit. It was just funny. Like, I know that's hilarious. And they, <laughs> yeah, what he was cranking out was like just the the most treacly Hollywood tame thing. Yeah, he's just doing drugs all the time. He wasn't mm -hmm. even really writing, I feel like. That's what, like I, I, uh, no one will get that reference, and no one's ever fucking heard that movie besides us, probably, and Ben Stiller. Like, I, uh -huh. I don't, like anybody watches this, like, I have no idea what the fuck. No, you, ca you catch a lot of people in their 40s if they listen. They'll, they'll know it. I feel like that, that's, a, that's one of those titles that people remember, and they remember that the sort of shot of him like, yeah. <laughs> going nuts at the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Like, I was, I was such a weird movie, man. I think I had the luckiest life in the world and still fucked it up constantly. What, uh, what is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, man, that's hard. If you asked me as a teenager, I'd say like Clockwork Orange, but I don't know. I don't even know as an adult, really. I don't, I, I don't even. Clockwork is, Clockwork's cool. Yeah, I'd say that as a kid. That was probably my favorite movie like, in like high school and stuff when I yeah. felt like I had one. What about you? Uh, Raiders. Oh, that's classic. No, I love. Yeah, those are good movies, too. Yeah, but just, just I mean, I, I like, you know, the first three, but the, the first one, I think, is my favorite movie of all time. I, I love it. Lucas had that gift to make things epic. Like he, he literally just made like, like things of like, so I don't even really like star Wars, but I can see that he still made it epic. You know, it's like, but I do like Raider. I like, I like, um, I like, um, the Indiana Jones series quite a bit. My favorite yeah. trilogy is probably either like, um, it's probably back to the future is my favorite trilogy though. I'd say like, I, oh. I loved it. I loved it all the way through. And people give me shit about the third one. They're like, the third one sucked. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. What do you think? And he's like, you know, we don't have to agree. You want it? It's so funny. I feel like opinion has shifted over the years. Uh, on the suckiness of the sequels because obviously like back to the future is in my top five movies ever i mean like i it's it's, like perfect movie trilogy. it's been talked about enough it's fantastic back to the future 2 for me was a huge disappointment like because <laughs> i love the first one so much i went to the second one on opening day i remember with my dad and uh we just both walked out of there like what the fuck like it was so <laughs> i didn't love it and then the third one uh i enjoyed like it kind of went back up for me not all the way not even close to the original but it was somewhere in between the third one just felt like oh that was nice that was sweet i liked it you know there were some cool sequences so yeah you you and crispin glover hated the second one probably i guess yeah <laughs> i i had the guy i had the guy that played uh george mcfly in the second and third one on 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 here and he told me this story about that and that was just fucking crazy have you heard that 
Well, I I knew that he was replaced, uh, but I have not heard anything about it. No, what happened? Yeah, Je- uh, Jeffrey Weisman was in, on one of these past episodes, and he, he basically um he played like a stunt double for him. Basically, I found out by talking to him. I didn't know that prior. Uh, so Crispin Glover went crazy. He he was asking for as much money as Michael J. Fox and stuff, and then he went on that Letterman thing, like supposedly on acid, like bragging about himself in like newspaper clips and shit. He's, he's like, I'm just awesome. I'm like strong, and I'm, like I can kick. And he's like, he kicked like this close to Letterman's face. Yeah, that I and, remember. And a bunch of just crazy shit and then they just didn't want to deal with him so they replaced him with a with like a uh, a makeup double basically because i mean the second one he's hanging upside down you yeah, know what I, mean? so yeah he- I remember that it was his hair um, yeah yeah that was what a what a weird contrivance to to i mean it really he really fucked that movie yeah because he was uh, he's listen michael j fox is like you know his performance in back to the futures it's just burned and every take is burned in my brain because he's so great but could say the same thing for crispin glover he's amazing like he from, was. The minute, from the minute he's the old dad laughing at the reruns eating the peanut brittle you're just like this guy's the best yeah that's great he thought so too i think yeah yeah sad <laughs> he, he would agree with you no it's, but no it's I, that's just a crazy was, his dad was a weird hollywood actor too crispin glover's dad uh, i didn't know that his name is julian glover i think he's got a very in like like crispin he has a very distinct interesting face and he was in i think he was in a bond movie as one of the villains he was in like he was in a uh chinatown he was like one of uh jack nicholson's assistants uh detectives that's crazy i didn't know that was in, in there too yeah hollywood royalty I hear stories about I don't know how accurate these stories are, but like um like I was in I was in some movie like on Amazon and like the one of the actresses friends was telling me that basically um Crispin Glover had some girl like locked in a castle for like some like some period of time like, like he's like yeah you want to come to my castle or whatever and then she was like said yes apparently for some reason and then he just like hung out there for a little bit and then like left her there for like a month or something oh my god I don't know how real that is but I mean it was a story at least you I know? believe it I believe I, it I do too I just don't want to get sued you know so I'm saying I don't know if it's real or not. <laughs> Right, right, right. Dude, uh, do you want to do you want to throw out any like links or anything people should look up about you before we get out of here, man? Like, uh, I mean, clearly. Oh well, no, you know, I mean, just keep watching Family Guy and uh, check me out on Instagram, and soon I'll have uh, this podcast called A Typical Disgusting Display with Goldie and the Sulk. It'll be you know available wherever the hell you get podcasts. That's what we're trying to figure out. This episode is brought to you by Ghost Hunt. It is a spicy honey by Heart Soul Heat, so heartsoulheat.com. Uh, spicy honey is great on ice cream, ribs, fried chicken, pizza, and cheese plates. 100% made in America. Go to heartsoulheat.com and get some. This episode is sponsored by the Coldest Water. The coldest Water are these awesome uh, insulated water bottles that uh, can stay cold for many days. Um, ice cold, so um, like in the picture, if you're watching this video, um, if you're listening to it, then you know what I'm talking about. Go to coldestwater.com, use promo code ROGERS1, one word, let into the number one. Uh, go there, and get a discount on this awesome bottle. <laughs>